0: Welcome to the Leader Manager Coach Podcast,
1: where we share knowledge, philosophies, wisdom, and insight to help you
0: on your journey in both sport and life. Introducing your host, Rob Riles.
2: Hello, and welcome to the Leader Manager Coach Podcast. Welcome along. It's Rob Riles welcoming you to another program. Now, in today's episode, I'm really excited um, on a a call with somebody all the way from the USA. I'm going to let this uh, this lovely lady explain who she is and all about her life and the relevance to leader, manager, coach. She's got an amazing CV and it was that that attracted me to, to her so that she could come onto to the podcast and she's she's given up her time and um, I can't wait to ask her a few questions. So the lady is Joanne P. McCauley and she's known throughout the us as coach p and um, she's got a lot to talk about with her her ambitions um with with something really special she's um an author a speaker she's a mental health advocate uh hall of fame for basketball coaching with with enormous numbers of wins and coached at various places and blimey there's this lady's national coach awards and all kinds and um I'm not going to say any more. I'm going to let her explain all about her life and, um, you know, the things that are important and that we can we can glean from this lovely lady. So, Coach P, welcome to Leader Manager Coach.
0: Uh, it's a
1: pleasure to be with Leader Leadership Manager Coach and also to be with you, Rob, and meet you. Um, I know we were talking before about our common British roots. It's a it makes it extra special for me uh, to be here. And, you know, as a coach of thirty years and uh, lots of great players and great stories and a great life. Um, Stepping away has been really interesting. And now I find myself as a speaker, motivator, mentor, um, as an example of somebody who has been through a mental health episodes in my life and diagnosed and um, trying to do my best Mm -hmm. to continue to coach and Mm -hmm. be coach P for life and use my coaching skills. To, to help people across the world because we're in quite a mess, you know? And actually, bloody mess. My, my grandfather would have said, it's a bloody mess out there. He would have said it in that context. Um, just meaning what people are going through, difficulty and so much.
2: Yeah. Okay. I mean, we've got to try and fit as much as we can in, into this, this episode. So listen, for people who don't actually know you, and um, I'll hold my hand up and say embarrassingly that it's only recently I've come to know about you and your work. And that's why as soon as I found out, I thought I've got to find, see if I can get hold of this lady. Tell us a little bit about, you know, your your early career, how you got into your coaching, because that's really interesting to the to the listenership. Uh, and then we can move on to your 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 current ambitions and all the things you've got planned, uh, Coach B. So you fire away.
1: I, I, OK, <laughs> well, I'm a coach by accident. I was working in downtown Chicago, graduate of Northwestern University, very proud, the Wildcats there. And I worked in downtown Chicago at, in sales and didn't like it, made some good money, um, but didn't enjoy what I was doing. And I went back to graduate school at Auburn University and picked a very special man to work for, a great coach, a Final Four coach. Went to some Final Fours, learned a lot about coaching. At 26 years old, I was head coach at the University of Maine. Um. I stayed there for eight years, loved it. I'm from Maine originally, so it was a coming home situation.
0: Yeah.
1: Won a lot of championships. Love that. And was recruited to Michigan State University and was there. 26, for
2: is, 26 is, is young <laughs> to be it to be a to because you're normally a player in, in in my humble understanding. So you am I right in saying that you were quite young to to be a coach of that stature and to, to do all those things?
1: Uh, Yes, 26 is young. At the time, I was the youngest in the country for NCAA ever to be named a head coach. And my player, one of my players was actually 22. Uh, So that that makes for an interesting dynamic. And, you know, Michigan State was wonderful. Seven years there. We went all the way to a national championship in five years. That was in 2005. And then I was recruited by Duke and spent 14, I'm sorry, 14, 13 uh, great years at Duke before I stepped aside and published Secret Warrior on February 16th,
2: 2021. Okay. Wow. So you've got a serious amount of coaching experience under your belt. I mean, you know, and you learn so much about people and pressure and how people respond and all those amazing different personalities that listen, don't listen. they visual learners that that kinesthetically... blimey you know if we could get into your skull and get all that stuff out you you must have you know more coaching experience and pff, it would would be a, you know i don't know but you know the thing i want to to kind of move on is um and i want i want you to talk about this because i don't want to i don't want to spoil it or taint it in any way is that is that you you know you're quite open about your your own mental health challenges that you've had and and here in just to give a little bit of context before i let you kind of um Go ahead, um, Coach Piers. There's a real big thing at the moment, and I don't know if you were, especially in professional sport in the UK and a lot in football, but also in other professional sports about mental health. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. uh, There's a little bit of a bias towards males because there's a thing that men don't open up so much as as, as, are not so good at opening up as as, as the ladies about things. Mm -hmm. So it's a real hot topic and it's not going away and no. um no. You, you you know you, you are kind of the perfect guest for, for, for things at the moment so go on just start with your beautiful story and uh, which i only know the bones about so um uh, i want you to kind of just tell us a little bit about that so um sure. you know here's your stage
1: yeah um at 30 years old i was diagnosed with manic depressive um disorder affliction disease whatever people want to call that also known as bipolar i was 30 coaching at the university of maine it was one year after having my first child Um, it was a time i was extremely busy and doing so many things and with the new child and life and all the things that can happen in young coaching as you try to prove yourself because of course young coaches are trying to prove themselves i had my first episode it was a manic episode and i can go into things in more detail if you like. Mm-hmm. I just don't want to you know, talk too much. But um, first episode ca- caught me by surprise in a way I can't even describe to you. Uh, it It's not something you ever could anticipate. It hits you, you know, it just kind of knocks you out and the people around you, your closest people have to help you understand that you have changed. Your brain is acting differently. In my book, I talk about my brain leaving me and how my brain left me at a time in my life that uh, I couldn't imagine it doing so. I was not too great of a patient. I rejected help a lot. I was trying to take my meds, denied taking my medicine, didn't want to take my medicine. And as an athlete, could not believe that my body, my mind, I was a division one scholarship athlete. How dare, it could never Absolutely. be the case that something was wrong.
0: Mm.
1: And medicine was something taboo and could interfere with my whole body, my chemistry. And and so it was a bit of a fight. And I, it, in terms of trying to get me to understand. So the whole denial piece, the whole fight for that. Then I get on my meds finally, and they work beautifully. We win more championships. Uh, what's important about the story is that we keep winning. See, that's that's the key because people think that a diagnosis means that things can't be great. You know, you, you can't be successful. Go, ahead, go ahead.
2: Yeah. So for people who don't understand
1: mm-hmm.
2: what it's like to have an episode, as you call it,
0: mm-hmm.
2: if you can, to us naive people who don't know. Yeah. what's that like? So you go to coaching practice, you talk to your players, you set your sessions up, you do your drills and movements, you talk to them, you shout, you hug them, you berate them, you do all the things you do in a coaching. But how do you, what's it like trying to do that with, with something going on? What's it like, Coach P?
1: Well, before I was diagnosed, I'm a very positive, passionate coach. So the coaching angle is very simple. My players did not recognize anything because I was in a manic episode, which means I was on it organized, upbeat, thought we were going to go to the final four and let's go, let's practice hard. And so when I was on the court during this time, Mm -hmm. that was my affect. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: At home, I wasn't sleeping.
0: Mm -hmm. I
1: didn't sleep for four straight nights. There was some stress with some administrative things going on at Maine, among other things. My husband did not know I wasn't sleeping. Mm -hmm. I thought that I didn't need sleep anymore. I was just a very productive person, <laughs> and so and so, I would watch film and write a practice, and you know, be a super coach.
0: Mm.
1: So and then the super coach crashed, basically, and I didn't believe that either. I was blue booked into a mental health facility, which means I fought to get out, and they had to keep me in there. I got out by with an attorney against the will of my doctor and everyone.
0: Wow. Um,
1: I, I mean, I've been. I don't know how much I can share or how much you want me to share, but I i mean, I've been tackled by three men, held down and shot, you know, got shot up so that, that I, I would finally stop what I was doing. It was very severe at that time, that my manic episode. From there, I came back within two weeks. That was in October. And we began the season pretty much in November. The players were the reason why I'm still in coaching today because they showed a loyalty to me while administration or parents were wanting to fire me, yeah. or remove me, or were, were were prematurely saying, "Well, she's not coming back," yeah, that kind of thing.
2: Yeah. Okay. So, great picture, um, very eloquent. I totally get that division between a, a support a sport in life where the players just think you're completely fired that on those particular sessions and then at home you can't come down to mm-hmm. normal everyday reality but you're dealing with that and I'm sure there's so much more detail that you know you're I'm, I'm going to leave that with you to, to to share what you will because please feel free to share whatever you feel is appropriate it's it's, it's just the truth is amazing and your vulnerability and sharing is is I don't know it, it it's it's Humbling to to be here here on this side. So where did it go from there? And so you go through this denial of, and do you know what? I've seen it with so many athletes, and I've had it in myself. I don't need medication for anything because I'm a superhuman physical being, you know. That what yeah, but it's all right for everybody else, but not me, you know, kind of kind of thing. So you've come through that and you've actually seemingly on this journey gone through that yeah so what what what, how did you go from there coach B?
1: well it continues (laughs) um for that was episode one so two weeks out two weeks out of you know go to a psychiatrist Mm. start taking meds Uh okay episode two about two years later i decide that i in fact am not bipolar and this has all been a ruse so to speak And I am better now, See, I I am better. So, but I also know that I can't tell anybody because they'll tell me to take my meds. So I go off my meds. And this is the thing that, that forever changed my life and perspective. I go off my meds and we're in season and it's February. And this time it's a depressive episode. Now on the depressive side, you can't concentrate. You can barely read the paper. I couldn't write up plays. I got very quiet and removed. And I also had an allergic reaction because I was trying to get myself better quickly, if that makes sense. This is all in the book, but basically I went off my meds. But this time my players were affected. I was coaching in a game where I didn't get off the bench. I wasn't myself at shooting practice. The players instantly picked up on this. What is wrong with coach? I didn't talk much and my jaw locked up Mm. uh, due to the allergic reaction I was having at the time because I was trying to re quote, remed myself very quickly because I could feel myself going down. I can remember that team we were a championship team in the end. That game we got blown out by at least 24 points. The kids couldn't concentrate. They kept looking at me. I couldn't give the pregame talk because my, of the allergic reaction. I had an assistant do it, which never happened. I always gave the pregame talk. I couldn't do the halftime because then I couldn't speak. At the time, I couldn't. T- I didn't tell my trainer a little bit of Benadryl would have helped the situation greatly. Well, I was too afraid to tell anybody what was happening to me, except I I knew that the players knew quite frankly. And so the next morning I had to call them into my room at the hotel prior to departing to go home and say, I have really let you down. I've done the unthinkable. Mm. I I was not prepared to coach that game.
0: Mm.
1: And at the time, this is 25 years ago. So the words were not used, mental illness impairment, Mm. bipolar, It was simply that coach P has not taken care of herself Mm. and I've caused this to happen.
0: Mm.
1: And if you, if you're in a room with players, my kids are young at this time. My kids are, my own kids are very oblivious. This is one of my son wasn't even born yet. And my daughter was very little. So it's the kid thing is sort of over here, the family thing, but to let your team down, that is your family. That's your family. And they forgave me instantly. And I told them I would be better than ever for them. We want, we want, went on to win championship after championship after championship. We beat Stanford in the NCAA tournament, which is unheard of. You know, University of Maine is more of a smaller mid-major. Yeah. And so I had a manic episode, I had a depressive episode. And that's what occurred at the University of Maine exclusively. Mm. Mm. At Michigan State and Duke, well, I was on medicine. Mm. And I was told that I would be better than I've ever been. And I was Yeah. <laughs> uh, passionate, demanding. Don't, don't get me wrong, passionate, yeah. demanding. Uh, some players love me. Some players have disagreement. Yeah. I mean, it, not a perfect world, um, but that's the first two episodes. And then I had a situation after leaving Duke. So if you're looking at me in totality, I would say to you, I'm 56 years old. I was diagnosed when I was 30. So therefore in 26 years, I've had three episodes that have framed my life mm-hmm. that I can never forget. And my book was actually written prior to the pandemic. So when you know that came out, and there are other reasons if we have time that I would share why I really wrote the book. Um, the book was not written for the pandemic, not written for that. It was written for other reasons, but came out at the time it came out.
2: So what was the reason that you wrote the book?
1: I wanted to write to the book. It was parked in my brain that it was something I should share, but I knew I had to be able to handle it before I could share it. We played for the national championship when I was 39 years old. And I had some friends at Michigan State, and I talked with them. Maybe this is the stage, the big stage. I should come out and say, I in fact am bipolar, and then maybe I can really do some great things. Much to my chagrin at the time, I was told or asked, do you wanna still coach? You're only 39 years old. And I said, yes, I wanna coach. You know, win a national title, big stage i was advised against it immediately said when you share this you're over you're done you're done and so when, wow. I, said, when I when i heard that wow i said okay i'm going to keep coaching got recruited to duke i mean i've had the pleasure of being alongside two hall of famers tom izzo at mm. michigan state mm. and coach Krzyzewski and mike at, at duke the mentorship i have that's a whole different story that exposure but getting back to my mental health impairment, I kind of nodded and said, I see this is the way it is. So I parked it. Wow. And then the unthinkable happened. And I could tell you those stories if you want.
2: OK, so there you are. Um, having survived these two episodes that you that you that you describe, Coach P, Um and and you you, you're taking your medication you're you're highly successful in your coaching and from a personal point of view you come to a point where you feel like you want to share and open up about your situation because you want to by the sound of it, it 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 will it's not a selfish it might have a selfish element that it would make you feel better, but actually you want to serve other people by, by the way that you're coming across by getting it out there that um, it, it will do good for others. And you're pushed down because you're told, well, if you do that, you can't have the other. So you, you've got to leave your career. And so how did that affect you? How, what was that like? Cause that, that's, that's, that's almost uh, a denial of, I don't know. It's, um, uh, it's a big thing to choose. It's like you're being asked to choose a rock. We say in in England, a rock or a hard place. Yeah. It's you.
1: Yeah. um, You know, I was really trusting and I had loving people around me. And so they were trying to assure me that there might be a time, Hmm. you know, so I kind of parked it in a corner and it was for me, it was, um, for, I mean, it was for lots of reasons.
0: Mm.
1: I knew it could be therapeutic to mm. come out. I mean, let's face it. If you can't share your whole self mm. with the world, with yourself, I mean, w- what do you have? Mm. So I knew I did want to come out with this. I knew it and I knew it would help me, but I also knew I could help others from my point of view. I'm mm. not a psychiatrist, psychotherapist, you know, I'm not, I'm a coach. And I knew that. Wow, I could. I'm sure I could help somebody somewhere. You know, mm-hmm. that was just that kept in my brain. Somebody somewhere sometime, any place, anywhere, anytime is mm-hmm. what I used to say mm-hmm. as a coach, right?
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: And so I, I guess I I parked it in a corner and wondered when, and then I was told when.
2: So after you parked it, Coach Pete, you talk about the third episode.
1: Right. Well. Yes. That's after leaving coaching.
2: Right. But can okay, I, so you, can I
1: tell you why I can't really wrote it though? Can I tell you?
2: Yeah. Because I want to get to, I just want to make sure we don't miss anything out in between okay. time. So um, that, that was all, that was the only reason I kind of backtracked a little bit to yeah, make sure yeah. there's no, I don't want to miss your story. So um, yeah, feel free to take it to the right place. Yeah.
1: Okay. Well, I'm at, at this point I'm at Duke coaching and we've had, Four straight elite eights and championships, and you know we've been successful. And, and again, the student athletes, right? Mm. Great student athletes, great things can happen. It was wasn't perfect, but it was wonderful. Mm. Um, but while I was at Duke, um, my teammate, one of my teammates from Northwestern, her daughter Courtney took her life at age 26, I believe, young, and she was perhaps misdiagnosed. In her situation. I was in the church with a friend from Duke attending the service for Courtney. Hmm. And Connie was a mentor to me. She was a fifth-year senior when I was a freshman at Northwestern. Connie and Kelby and her family live in Durham, which is where Duke is. So we had we we've known each other for a very long time. And so it was kind of neat that. We lived in the same state and I had to approach her if I could share Courtney's story, which is in the book.
0: Mm.
1: So I was in the church and at that point in time, I don't know how you want to describe it, thunderbolt, lightning bolt, feeling, calling, Mm. it was, and that Particular service mm. occurred in May,
0: mm.
1: mental health month. Yeah. In April, I lost my first player to cancer. All right. Okay. So I'm trying to put this together for you. Yeah. I'm a coach. Okay. Yeah. You Your players are not supposed to die before you. Nope. Your children are nope. not supposed to nope. pass before you. In April, I'm in a church mm. at Stacy's funeral who yeah. died of breast cancer. So that is, and her daughter, Olivia, is crying her eyes out at age nine. You know, she's walking down the aisle and I'm so moved by this experience. I actually asked the question, what would Stacey P, last name Perini, my, my first center I ever coached, what would she think of me if I wasn't sharing all of me? Yeah. What would she think? Wow. So I was at a funeral in April. Wow. And then, then in May, Courtney, Mm. after that, that was I mean, I was, I surrendered and said, whatever the cost is going to be, whatever it is.
2: It's a no brainer.
1: It's a no, thank you. You It's a no brainer. No brainer.
2: There's no, there's only one road. There's just one road. Uh, Yeah. Your decision's made. Yeah. Yeah. I hear, I hear
1: hmm That was it.
2: So that takes you to the book then?
1: Uh, takes me to writing. That book comes out like in my brain with writing in my publisher. I think I wrote it in two months. They, they expedited it for publication. John Kohler Publishing is my publisher. And I like to mention that because it was supposed to be published later in March, April. And then it got bumped up to February, which was great. And then I said to him, you know, my mom's birthday, my British mom, uh, her birthday is February 16th. Can we make that date? Oh. Push it to February 16th. And he said, I think we can do it. Okay. So to publish my second book on my mom's birthday was the greatest thing uh, ever. And then to be able to work towards a foundation and, and all of that. And I want to backtrack though, because the third episode is really important to talk about. Yeah, let's go. Okay, we did first. We did second. This to me is fascinating. It's and, and stunning, and something I never ever would have guessed.
2: What what? Remember where you are. What I'm hoping, Coach P, is that there's some one person. That's all I, I want to happen. I don't want to happen. Maybe maybe there's one person who even knows somebody if they're not listening directly, which will this will just. Change their life for the better in in, in some way or, or or another. So you go ahead. Come on, let's fantastic.
1: Okay, this this is uh, okay. This is more recent. I leave Duke
2: mm-hmm.
0: after
1: all that success. Mm-hmm. I walk away. I leave actually with one year left on my contract, which was interesting because that's a lot of cash. <laughs> I leave. I'm fine, I'm great. I'm sad that I miss my student athletes, but I'm ready to pass the torch to a new coach. In my heart, it's time. So mentally, I'm fit. I'm leaving Duke, good. That was in, when was that in? May, I guess, June, no, earlier April. I can't remember right now. But the bottom line that I'm trying to say is I had a series of events occur after leaving Duke. I had a cancer scare
0: mm-hmm.
1: on September. Th- these dates are important. Cancer scare, September 18th. Mm-hmm. Okay, wait, back up, back up, back up. July 1 is when I leave Duke. Yeah, And that's important to me because that fulfills my contract. I don't leave like, you know, I leave, boom. That's the first, Be it's supposed to be the, you know, Anyway, I leave July one, I'm working through the summer doing secret warrior preparation and all of that.
0: Yeah.
1: I have a cancer scare. And so I have a hysterectomy on September 18th, very blessed, very fortunate to do that because obviously there was some risk there. And then my father passes on October 18th, one month later. Mm-hmm. My father is a pilot and a Naval aviator that was probably the most traumatic thing that's ever happened to me to lose my father. But I worked through that, of course, with my family. So October passes, November passes. In the process of leaving coaching, I lose some mentorship and connection, right? To my staff. And, but most importantly to, to people that were mentoring me.
0: Mm.
1: And what I mean by lose them is they didn't pass away. They just sort of yeah. left.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: You know, what I, mean? I, I mean, I wasn't a coach anymore, and so the connections aren't the same, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, we're not talking strategy for basketball anymore, but that was incredibly hurtful to lose so much of that.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And so, but I, you know, I, I go along though. I'm, I'm dealing with the grief. I'm dealing with all of this fine. Fast forward to June. I'm on vacation. Mm-hmm. I have no stressors in my life.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I'm on vacation and I have a psychotic break. I spend not one or two nights in the hospital, which I did for my first episode way back. I spend 10. Oh. 10. This, this is post everything. Hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think you're the first person I've told that to. I'm on it. I'm gonna, well, usually I tell that maybe in a talk in person. Do you mm-hmm. know? I, and, yeah. I haven't, and I haven't even done that yet. So I'm going to say, Rob, you are the first person I have shared that with on any podcast mm-hmm. in any medium. And it's so amazing to me because who would have thought it? Mental health impairment is not what people think. If you take it back to coaching, I am quite sure some people said, would say, oh, that Coach P, oh, she must've been bipolar when she yells in the locker room at halftime because they would make some kind of assumption and they try to you know, tag things together that are not true.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: A lot of people would think you're on vacation, you're in the beautiful state of Michigan, there's that blue water and you have no worries. You're yeah. with friends. How could it be? Yeah. But I had a little bit of a medication issue, plus those triggers that I, I listed. That's why I talked about the triggers.
2: That they were latent. That because there's a this this latency to it that 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 is apparent in the time that you talk about till June from you know blimey mm-hmm. you know. Uh, I'm sitting here, my, my dad's still with us, you know, so I, I can't say I know how you feel, but you don't have to explain about losing somebody like that, you know, daughters and dads as well. There's
1: yes. Yes. And your daughters and dads. And I, what I can say about that, cause I love to talk to talk about my dad, but what I can say is daughters and dads. I think that's very real. And my father was very, very funny. Yeah. Okay. Very humorous. So he, he had a lightness of, I was, you know, really intense player and wanted to be an all-American became an all-American, you know, wanted to be better. And my father took the approach where he would say, wow, that was really neat how you went behind the back with that crossover, that dribble. Like, how did you push it behind your back? You know, he would, you know, I could have 30 points and 20 rebounds. Not that I ever did, but he, he would, he would say something like, you know, when you made that shot off the, the bat, was that a, Did you bank that shot off the glass? And why did you do that? I mean, he would look for the most simple things. Never cared about stats or anything. No. And and so he had a way about him. So when I lost that humor, I lost. I lost a lot. I lost a humor, a a lightness with my mentors. You know, having mentors that were light and funny. I get it. You get it. I mean, I lost in that way. I lost everything. I lost every connection. I lost everything. Coach
2: B, honestly, if there are any ex-players listening to you who have had to leave or have left a sporting organisation, when they are interviewed after in their life, almost to a man or a lady, they say, when they're asked, what do you miss? They say, exactly the same as you maybe not as eloquently they say the banter the crack the 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 laughs the jokes and every professional footballer in this country all they want back is is to be able to go back to the dressing room and have that culture that when that door shuts they're part of that that dressing room and and there are also those mentorship leadership Guidance things that go on between members of staff and sometimes players and staff that that you talk about and once you leave a job it's not like leaving just a paycheck
0: mm. the
2: paycheck's almost the the insignificant thing as much as it is important it, it it's the life sustaining mental health sustaining reason for living that that you people get up who who understand sport at the level you've understood it that that suddenly you haven't got anymore. Mm.
1: Yes. And I think not only do you have triggers that you can't control like cancer or my dad passing, but then here's the next thing that happens as a coach, we always think we can do things better, Mm -hmm. right? Ted Lasso, the suggestion box, right? But when we leave coaching, we say it's not championships or rings or anything. All I could remember was where I didn't do the best thing. So it was, for example, maybe I could have communicated better with this player. And it's not X's and O's. Matter of fact, I think I was a pretty good coach.
2: <laughs> yeah, I think so. <laughs> you know, I think I so. Think,
1: you know, so you don't really, it's not the losses. It's not like, oh, we lost in the national championship to Baylor. No, what I have grappled with is, could I have done this better? And I know players, I have players that love me. I have players that like me. And I have players, former players, Mm. that still hold a grudge of something I said because they
0: Mm.
1: took it a certain way and we didn't communicate and coach coached this or that or too hard on me and they carry it with them, right? So, well, when you leave coaching, if you think deeply and you feel deeply on top of the other triggers, it was all about that. Joanne, coach P, you could have been so much better. why weren't you better? and you in everything human, like why weren't you better? Could you have used a better word with this young lady and then you forget all the women that you helped.
2: Is that like a perfectionism syndrome?
1: It's if like it a doesn't
2: go away where you keep berating yourself for not being perfect almost is it what is it linked to that?
1: We tend to, folks that have bipolar or manic depression, we tend to overthink. You know, my, my, my daughter said to me, she's so funny, she said, Mom, I hope you can be kind of light. At, at a certain time, we were family together. She said, you think, you're a thinker, aren't you, Mom? You know, kind of thing. And I'm like, yeah. I said, Maddie, I don't think I can change that. It's who I am. I see connection. I'll give you a silly example. I'll give you a silly example. I went to the Y this morning to swim. I was driving to the Y and I was listening to music and I thought of actually Stacy Perini, the, the player who passed. Okay, so I'm driving along and I go into the Y and when they take your keys, they give you a locker and they always ask me, they always say to me, what locker number do you want? And I always say, give me whatever you got. So they give me keys. Sure enough, the key I have is number 32. Mm. Stacy's number.
0: Right.
1: Okay. So I'm sorry. No, this, no. I connect these things. And then, no, it gets better. So then I go swim and do my workout. And I come in the locker room. And I meet this new person I've never met in my life. And she's very nice. and makes me feel good. She recognizes me. And when you leave coaching, you just think you're just like, you know, you you just disappear right you're just like in a yeah. closet yeah. somewhere mm-hmm. she recognizes me so we have a nice conversation i say what's your name and she says stacy
0: oh my god
1: okay so i'm sorry i connect the dots mm-hmm. and now some people go faith so and some people won't that's fine i'm a person of faith but you know whatever you are I, I always used to say connect the dots and I enjoy connection. And that's one thing all the players I've ever coached can say is, boy, Coach P sure likes to connect the dots.
2: Yeah. And we, <laughs> blimey. So here's you telling us, Coach P, about you, how you're made up, your your strengths the things that make you psychologically together in terms of how you see the world you're kind of painting a wonderful way of how you see the world and how the world comes into and and here do you think that um I suppose I'm risking being very naive here and risking kind of Trivializing it, and, and that's the last thing I want to do is is trivialize anything. I wouldn't even dream of it intentionally. Do you think that the call it bipolar, call it manic depressive, call it mental health, whatever label is people want to give it. Do you think it's a con, a continuum kind of thing where your daughter said to you, Mom, be light," and at the other end of the spectrum uh, uh, is somebody who doesn't seem to think about anything doesn't connect anything but is the life and soul of every party uh, or seemingly you know and then at the other end of the spectrum is somebody who who mulls over every single tiny little little detail is it too simplistic to say it's a, is a, a continuum coach B no
1: no it's not at all in fact when i address mental health impairment I mean, only 2.5% of the population is bipolar or manic depression. I mean, that's about the percentage. Um, We're talking about the whole spectrum, just as you said, the continuum of mental health impairment. Mental health is a word to be celebrated. Mental health is a brilliant thing. The brain, the brain, making the brain healthy, helping it be healthy. Mental health impairment should be respected and understood. And that's... Totally different. And I I just feel, you know, surgeons fix the brain, right? Brain surgeon fixes the brain. Psychiatrists fix the brain without ever seeing it. Mm -hmm. And I've always tried to pull those two together because here in our country, United States, brain surgeons are revered. Mm -hmm. They make so much money. They are just, I mean, the. Most incredible thing. I mean, the market pays them enormous amounts of money and rightfully so they save lives. They operate on brains in our country. Psychiatrists get paid very little are considered low, you know, on the totem pole, I should say of, I mean, it's, it's like this. Yeah. And I would like to, I can't, I can't change that. I'm just a coach, but I can certainly say that it is true. And in my life, psychiatrists have saved my life I think that counts yeah yeah I think that counts
2: absolutely okay it's important that we talk about your plans and and what you want and and you talk to me about the foundation and I'm really keen for you to let us know about that so um you know what's what what's what's that Um, Coach P, where are we going with that? Because it sounds fantastic.
1: Well, it's interesting you say that. I've been in three national championship games and each one was a loss. (laughs) And I think about a national championship and a world championship. I can't imagine what a world championship could ever feel. Okay, can't imagine that. So my motivation is to have a world championship. And to me, what that would be, would be a foundation a standalone foundation where monies were raised so that in fact, this private foundation could listen to people about their ideas and bring monies and dollars to different plans and strategies to take the stigma away, right? Stories over stigmas, stories over stigmas. And how do we do that? Well, a coach always says actions speak louder than words. So you have to have action to follow up the stories. And I feel very good about both. So one day, right now, the foundation is does not exist. The monies are coming in through speaking and some things I do pro bono, they call it. You know, I don't yeah. charge anything. I just do that because it's the right thing to do. Uh, and then I also bring in dollars. And so over a period of probably 10 years, Coach P for Life Foundation. Wow and get that going and and have, leave something, a legacy, Mm. you know, to my children. I mean, you talk about leaving money to children and I'm blessed. I mean, I've had, you know, I've had, we're very fortunate as a family, but to me, can you leave philosophy? Can you leave a a sense of life? Can you leave a passion? It doesn't have to be their passion completely, but can you lead by action? And so, we're hoping that Coach P for Life Foundation yeah. just goes kaboom.
2: Coach P for Life Foundation. What what a what a what a what a great thing! And um, out of out of adversity, Coach P. Um, so beautiful, it, it, it beautiful in its uh, just as a concept, but even more beautiful in the content of what will be. Um, just fantastic so okay just kind of coming to to wind it up or or to kind of close the circle really um if there's anybody listening to this Mm -hmm. at any stage that that recognizes anything in what you say and i suppose it's common sense but hey i'm not going to quote common sense what 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 would you say to somebody who wonders or somebody who hides or somebody who feels alone or whatever you feel or you've been through, you know, what do you say to somebody who's there in that space?
1: Choose life. Do not go alone. I've had a very dark time where I'd wondered if I might swim in a lake and never come back, it's quite ironic that now I'm a swimmer. I would tell that person that the brain is a beautiful thing and it's complicated, but there's a science to it and you can be better than ever. I would tell that person to reach out, to be truthful, maybe not how I have been on, a, on you know, so public, but to trust people around them, stories over stigmas, Share your story where you're comfortable. Share it. Get to a space where you can lean on people and try to do that right away. Try not to let it, you know, trauma has tr- triggers. We have to deal with ourselves. We've all had trauma and they can be serious triggers. So we've all got to kind of own that a little bit. And if we own the fact that trauma is there, then we can own the fact that we can fix it.
2: Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Coach P um, I don't really want this to end um, <laughs> because listen uh, I can't really say I know you, but actually you've allowed me the, the privilege to, to know you through your complete beautiful openness. Um, gosh, you know, I can with thousands of miles apart, we're on a screen but I can I have felt so much of, of 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 the things you've said. And I'm, I, I know that there'll be people out there who will have butterflies and will have the the hair stand up on the back of the neck from listening to this because that's what you've given to me personally. So I'm I'm blessed, I'm lucky, and, and thank you so much. Where can You know, where can people, if they want to find out about you, more about you and reach out to you, your story, your plans and and, and things like that? Where where can they get hold of you, Coach B?
1: Yeah, now thank you for asking that. This is very, very important. Um, I'm available and I have a team, Team Secret Warrior, and we manage very carefully. You know, (laughs) Team Secret Warrior, there there are four of us right now. And we love that because final four, you know, I think in terms of fours, uh, four Team Secret Warrior folks. And I am coach P with the number four life coach P for life. I am on all social Instagram and LinkedIn, Twitter and Facebook use them all. I can be reached there. My email, I actually give it out, believe it or not. And you say, well, why would you do that? Cause you can get all these. Well, you, you know, like I said, all in due time, right? I can't I do things all in due time. So Joanne McCauley, at gmail.com. And it's coming my way. And then I do whatever I can. I am one person. I know I have my limits. I want to reiterate that I am a coach. I am not trying to do psychiatric work that is way beyond my understanding. But I have been a person that has succeeded through mental health impairment And people need to hear that it does get better. It will get better. And you might have a bump on the head like I had in June. Boy, that was a bump. But you can come from that better than ever. So keep the faith. Faith over fear. Keep the faith.
2: Coach P, thank you doesn't come anywhere (laughs) near. Um,
1: Oh, wait, I'm sorry to interrupt. My agent would be upset with me. If I didn't say coachp.org, my website.
2: (laughs) And all this is, I'll put this on on the show notes so that people don't have to watch and write it down. So it'll be on the show notes.
1: Good. I just, you know, I get in trouble because I don't say what I'm supposed to say because, well, whatever. You're a
2: coach. Uh, Yeah, you're a coach. Yeah, I get it. I'm a coach too, so I get it. It's great. I
1: know you're a coach and a good one.
2: (laughs) Thank you. Um, But um, you've been... Uh wow. Just beautifully authentic and nobody could ask any more than authenticity from somebody. And for being authentic, Joanne Macaulay, Coach P, thank you so much.
1: Thank you. And Rob, you made it easy for me to be authentic, so I appreciate it.
2: So there we have the pretty phenomenal for want of a descriptive term, the the story, if you like, the the depth, the reality, and, and, and the pure and beautiful vulnerability that uh, Coach P has just shared with leader manager coach is uh, more. More things in that than we could probably uh, talk about in, in in the next few minutes just to wrap up that. But it's something that I'm honoured to share and it's something that I hope helps in whatever way. And um, there's probably not a great deal, I can say, because all the lessons are so are so clear from that and I think it would be remiss of me to try and dig deeper into it than than has already been done just by its natural sharing and the things that that coach P has, has actually said herself but whatever stage uh, you're on whichever platform you're on whichever stage of life I think the thing that I'd like to leave you with is that if you do feel you need some help as Coach P said you know choose life and if that means reaching out asking for help and leaning on somebody whatever way that is for you even if it's just the start then please do coach p thank you doesn't seem anywhere near enough but from leader manager coach thank you for sharing take care bye-bye